Welcome to the Safe Room, your safe haven for gaming news and discussion. My name is Kevin, and today I have a special guest. Say hello, special guest. Hi, I'm Jess. Oh, oh yeah, I forgot. Jess. <laughs> hey, Jess, what's going on? <laughs> wait, wait, not so much, you're, you're not Daniel. What the fuck? <laughs> uh, I, now, I know. Save roommates, please don't be alarmed, but Daniel is with us in spirit. He's gone to the great beyond south florida <laughs> he's mia in mia <laughs> correct daniel is away for the holidays he's doing his thing he's hanging out with his family uh he went back to the motherland uh florida and i hope he's enjoying himself i don't think he expected me to to do an episode episode i, I think he thought i was just gonna like record some like video game recipes like ch chocobo salad or <laughs> some Just shit take, taking everything from overcooked and turning it into an actual <laughs> cookbook exactly and uh no what happened was the fucking game award so jeff Keeley's video game what do you alakazoo that's not a word. <laughs> Extravaganza occurred over the weekend, and we saw a lot of shit. Uh, don't pretend you actually cared about the awards. You were there for the announcements. Don't lie. Don't lie. Don't lie. I mean, don't lie. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I just, I just, it's, it's a hundred percent the audience that just pulls it away from me. Sometimes I'm just, I just can't care. And I'll, I'll be honest, Joel McHale was a good poll, so I wasn't, I was pretty invested in having him there. I do like him. You don't remember the disaster that was 2013's VGX, like when it now, was still on Spike TV? You didn't watch that? I knew you were going to bring that up. I do, but I wanted him to have his moment in the sun. Oh man, he flew into the sun on that one. Yes, he was, he was Icarus. Fucking <laughs> was cringe thought. He even made a joke when he got up on stage to present an award. He was just like, man, can't believe you asked me back. <laughs> And like, I don't know where to land, like on his side or Jeff Keighley's side where it's like, oh man, keep it professional. But the other side, I'm like, well, I feel like Mikhail this is fucking ridiculous. It's a giant commercial, Jeff, commercial. It, it completely is. And that's probably why I, I get so uncomfortable watching it. And I usually just go in for the awards. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm interested to see what the general consensus is, but miss me with the rest of it. Did you, did you vote? It's very important that, that you voted for. I did. I did. I exercised my right to vote um, <laughs> proudly as somebody plagued by video games. Pla Happy to <laughs> plagued by video games. That That's the name of the podcast now. <laughs> Fuck the save room. It's plagued by video games. No, you can't have it. I'll try it out of my cold dead hands. Um, so for people that don't know, uh, you were on uh, the Spooky Room, our special Halloween episode where we actually talked about our favorite Halloween films that we like to dust off every year. Check that yes. one out. People seem to engage with that good. I'm glad that you, uh, you've you upgraded since that episode from the pack-in PS4 microphone <laughs> to, to like a legitimate headset. And I'm this very is... happy for it. This is what the kids call a glow up. So we're, we're, we're getting there. The kids do indeed say things that make me cringe. Now, <laughs> just to give the safe roommates out there a sense of who you are, Jess, I'm going to, we'll, we'll play a, it's a thought experiment. We're going to play okay. fuck, Mary kill, but your choices are Mario, Mario, Sonic, <laughs> or crash the bandicoot. Okay. Um, so I'm going to say, we're going to, I would say think carefully. <laughs> I feel like this is less of a thought experiment. <laughs> I'm just being backed up against a wall. More like, like I'm being held hostage. You really just want to hear me say that I would fuck Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> 
go fast, gotta eat ass. It's Sonic's mantra. Okay, you fine. Don't so- don't answer it. It's oh, actually it's it's one of those ones where like there's no correct answer, but every answer is correct at the same time. Wow. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, oh, all right. Well, I'm I'm glad I didn't say anything else then. But uh, if we're being honest here, it would definitely be um, fuck Sonic, uh, Mary Crash, and kill Mario. <laughs> My answer is a little more interesting. It's a little abstract. It's um, fuck these choices. All of the answers are Shadow the Hedgehog. That's, you can't. No. To, I'm going to fuck him. I'm going to marry him. I'm going to kill him. And it's going to be the best movie you've ever seen. Yeah, Ryan Reynolds is voicing everyone. He, he voices absolutely. He's Robotnik. He's, he's Shadow. He's, he's Big Sonic. the Cat. He's 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 Garfield for some reason. Garfield's not a part of this. He's there. Get Bill Murray back in it just for a Garfield cameo. <laughs> okay, the, let's not derail this too much. We got to talk about Jeff's very serious awards. If you didn't know, the Save Room is brought to you by two soft boys. Typically, one of those soft boys is off doing his own adventures. But uh, we don't know how to monetize our efforts, but we at least can get you to you know, rate, subscribe, star, leave angry comments, do whatever you need to. Like, no, don't do that. Wait, wait, you you sure that's not okay? (laughs) Good comments, good comments, good comments. Good comments, good comments. Angry comments, but five stars is our rule. Like, you can say whatever you want, but give us that five star. So you can find us on soundcloud.com slash the save room show. That is our home. And you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify. Uh, If you wanted to see me stream, I don't know why, but you can find me on twitch.tv slash the herb. Oh, and since Daniel's not here, I will plug Daniel's Twitch, which is uh, twitch.tv.com slash Dungeons and Daniels. That's right. You got it. Or is it Daniels? Yeah, nailed it. Well, try no, both. No, it's not. Give a sub to no, both. No, don't. <laughs> Just... I listen to the podcast. I would know. I, I <laughs> Daniel always calls me out because I do this thing where, like, I usually stream on Monday, Wednesday, and Fridays, and I always say Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday. <laughs> <laughs> Just, just stop saying what days week. of the week. Just just stop giving people a time frame. Let them find out on their own and be like a right. like a surprise. Well, the, everything that we do, Jess, is bad content creation. You have good <laughs> content creation. Do you want to throw in some plugs on this show? Why, sure. Uh, you Yay. can find me on Twitter. <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at twitter.com slash Cylon. And that's spelled P-S-Y-L-A-W-N. Uh, and you can find uh, some of my writing that I've done for Habitat Literary Magazine. Um, you can find that at habitatlitmag.com slash stomping ground. There I do some reviews of poetry books and I'm working on another one right now. Should be out later this month. Can you tell us what book you're working on? It is. It's, it's, I signed an NDA, so I can't really say too, too, too much. No, I'm just kidding. Um, no. it's, <laughs> it's, um, it's actually the first poetry book of the, uh, a famous singer named uh, Mary Lambert. Uh, she did a song with Matt Aquamore. Uh so I figured it would be interesting to see you know somebody who's a little bit more famous branching off into a d- different genre essentially of writing uh, seeing what they had to say and how they uh how they said it are you going to interview Macklemore we already did it went really well um we've oh. been on three dates already oh my um, god yeah <laughs> this <But> is escalating <laughs> No, uh, I haven't done an interview in a while, but you can see my most recent interview on there that I did with uh, the poet Jamie Mortara. And if you want to check that out, that is uh, at the same link that I mentioned earlier. That one was awesome, actually. I read that. Uh, oh, thank you so much. I remember. Yeah, whatever. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's no, it's very, very good reviews. You actually have a way. 
when you review poetry, it is poetry, which oh, breaks my fucking dumb. mind. No, no, I'm just saying. I'm being real. I'm being real with you. This is just fact. This is objective. It's poetry. <laughs> it's just facts. This is absolute just facts, facts. ma'am. <laughs> well, that's fantastic. Thank you for coming on to the show. Today, we have some shit in store for you, usually. But I wanted to talk a little bit about <laughs> right before we started this podcast, I beat Red Dead Redemption 2. Like, I, I, Are I you serious? The credit. Yeah, no, it happened today. I didn't think it would happen today, but I've been working oh. through what is considered the epilogue for the last like week and a half. Yeah, so you've heard on previous episodes, Save Roommates, and you as well, Jess. Um, it is a story of clunk and archaic choices is what kind of plagues my enjoyment with the game. Mm-hmm. But... I and and it was a slow burn with the narrative too, you know. I I started the game and I was just like, I'm not feeling this. I'm not into Arthur Morgan or his characterization or the fact that he sounds like Foghorn Leghorn. I uh, remember you I, saying I, exactly I, that. Exactly, and then and then Dutch is just like, man, what? I don't care. He he's like a ringleader to this fucking circus. But then there's a halfway point in the game, like around chapter four, where it just greases up the narrative and fucking goes just sliding into hell. <laughs> it's insane. <laughs> it's amazing, actually. Some of the shit that happens and there, there's legitimate moments that just kind of uh, it was like a punch to the gut, like just took my breath away. Just like just simple lines, simple interactions. Really? It is probably my favorite story of the year in the game, but not wow. my favorite game of the year. What would you say your favorite game of the year is? Wait, no, don't tell me. I know the answer. Uh, <laughs> Take a <laughs> fucking guess. Uh, does, twit, does twit, it... son. <laughs> God. Um, speaking of your yeah. favorite game of the year, which if you didn't catch the insinuation, no. <laughs> which is Spider-Man. Kevin and I were just talking about how excited we are to go see the Into the Spider-Verse film, which is coming out uh, December 14th. Holy shit, I am so excited. In fact, I am some beyond. early reviews are saying it's the best Spider-Man movie bar. I now. fully believe that. I fully believe that. Are you kidding me? I I'm think I'm there with it. I did am. you see I mean 100% on Rotten Tomatoes, which I think you what? and I have Okay, you and I both have kind of like a, a tenuous relationship with Rotten Tomatoes where we have films that we just adore completely and they We have just a tenuous been, relationship with most spoiled fruit, uh to be this, honest. Speak for yourself. <laughs> So I just, I think that to say that it's going to be the best Spider-Man film ever made is very, it makes perfect sense to me because I think this is the kind of treatment that Spider-Man deserved. I think that there's too much Spider-Man lore not to go into it with this kind of approach in a way, not to Mm -hmm. give too much away from what I know about the film. I'm kind of hoping to go into it a little bit blind, but what I've seen of it so far, I mean, I'll be honest, like the Miles Morales clip that I saw did make me tear up a little bit i was just like yes yeah i was like that's my spidey you know like he's probably one of my favorites i just i i just got so excited because it felt so real i mean i don't know if you you saw the clip but it's you know miles alone in his room and he's kind of singing along to a song but he's he keeps forgetting the words and he's like kind of tripping up a little, but he's still going, still confident. Like, you know, kind of, it was so real. I was like, I've done that, you know, earlier today, (laughs) you know? I I really, really love this kind of renaissance of, of Miles Morales as a character bleeding into different media. Cause like he shows up in Marvel Spider-Man for PS4 mm -hmm. and then he's in this. It's like, it's like the year of miles essentially. And I, I want us to get to a point where we get some live action miles. 
you know, please like we work our way toward that goal would be great. But yeah, I am. I am so into this movie. I, I love the the source material. Uh, was it into the Spider-Verse in the comics? I think it had a different name, just Spider-Verse. I don't remember something. off the top of my head. I don't remember. Oh, man. But that was the shit that introduced us to Spider-Punk and yes, just every, every combination of Spider-Man that you could think of. And then Spider-Gwen. What was cool about that is what's cool about that is that it just it shows that it's not peter parker that makes spider-man it's you know it's what spider-man stands for and it's it's kind of the way spider-man interacts with the world around you know them and it's it was very special i mean yeah even spider gwen i mean which is a personal favorite but like i said just miles himself and like kind of what he represents is it's it's so all all american so modern i'm very excited oh i'm too excited for it I, actually, you got <laughs> to fucking restrain me. <laughs> this movie. You got to hold me back. <laughs> got to get some yeah. webs on me so I don't go nowhere. Now that we're on the subject of Marvel, real quick, what also happened uh, this this week for us? Time of recording, Sunday, December. D- hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Ninth. Ninth. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the uh, the Avengers four trailer came out. We have our title. It is called Avengers End Game. And first of all, did you see this trailer? I didn't. You didn't see the trailer? Okay, okay. I didn't watch it, yeah. You need to put eyes because on it. Because I was, I was too busy rewatching the Captain Marvel trailer over and Jesus over. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. <laughs> well, go watch the trailer because it doesn't, it does not spoil anything about the plot of Endgame. It doesn't need to. I, hmm. I it, it just, all it's doing is saying, hey, you know it's coming? Here's a little bit of a tidbit. It's coming out in April. It's not doing anything with the plot. It's not doing anything like that because it understands like, wow, we kind of set a precedent for what an event movie is you know like it started with avengers avengers 2 whatever we don't talk about and then avengers infinity <laughs> war was like what the what the fu- like the culmination of all of these films in the one and so this is kind of poised as the payoff so the trailer itself is like this depressing slow burn trailer where we get kind of just we get tony stark he's adrift in space lost it looks like he's been out there for a while we show Cap. He's sh- he's shaven. The most unfortunate thing to happen. <laughs> <laughs> that was the one thing I heard about the trailer. Right, and we see Hawkeye, and then it ends with just Ant Man showing up and going like, "Hey guys, I got a plan" or some shit. And it's like they tell us nothing, and that's all they need to say about it. That's all they need to do. <laughs> I am so fucking excited for this movie because I was literally like just. It felt like our hurricane, a category two, just knocking me back in my seat watching that fucking movie, Infinity War, when it came out. Really? I, I, yeah, I can't wait to see what they do here. I'm, I'm, oh, oh, that's my birthday month too. Oh, you're right. Yes, should uh-huh. be, should be good. You, you'll have to throw like a pizza birthday party and rent out one of the rooms at the movie theater. Uh, <laughs> I'll bring some smash as well. <laughs> play it on, play it on the movie screen. <laughs> Okay. So Smash Brothers. The, <laughs> I have acquired the Smash Brothers and the Smash Brothers are well. <laughs> I really oh, yes, like this I game. Know. I, I and like because the last time I was into Smash was like Melee and I didn't even play it right because I had no friends uh, when I was 12. So I was just playing a lot of the adventure mode by myself and shit and unlocking characters and just like, oh, okay. You know, now I have other people, uh, grown man children like myself and Daniel and Correct. We, can, we can play smash and smash at each other. And this one is so it, it's interlaced with nostalgia, but it's new and fresh and it feels good. And 
uh, it does this thing where all the characters, when you start, you only have eight characters to start with for a cast of like 70 plus fucking characters. Some people are annoyed by this choice, which I totally <laughs> see, but I don't know. It's actually kind of exciting to unlock characters because the way they do it is that, say. oh, you, you beat the classic mode, for instance, and then at the very end, after you go through all of that, it just says, new challenger. And then it's like the silhouette Ooh. of the character you fight, and it's like, who's it going to be? And sometimes it's like, oh, some of their silhouettes are the same. So it's like, I think it's Jigglypuff. And then it's like, oh, <laughs> fuck, it's not. It's, it was Samus Aran. I don't know how I got that one wrong. <laughs> their actually, hair is the same. But it's exciting, actually, and it's fun. Yeah. And it, it is so stuffed with content and references and just steeped in Nintendo. It, it, it is leaking with fucking 30 years plus of video game history. And it is, it is insanely fun. It, it is like a celebration almost, not just a fighting game. That's kind of amazing. Yeah, it, Sakurai, it was worth it, man. I know, I know <laughs> that you haven't slept in 177 days, and you're basically living off of an IV, but Just you did a it, show buddy. Of a man. <laughs> <laughs> Broken, shattered, but thank you. Fantastic. So yeah, I, I know me and Daniel will talk more about Smash Brothers and get into it. I've only gotten through a little bit of it. Um, you were talking about wanting to get a Switch, right? I am dying to get a Switch. You have no idea. What would be your lineup of like, what are the first ones that you're going to get? Gotta get, gotta get Katamari. Gotta get have Katamari. To, have to get Katamari Reroll. Save roommates. If you have never played any of the Katamari games, I implore you to pick up Katamari Reroll. Um, even if you cannot get a physical copy, which is going to be a limited edition kind of release. Yeah, it's GameStop um, exclusive, yeah. Yeah, GameStop exclusive, but if you can download it from the store, I think that would be really great because the developer of it insists that the reason he makes it is just so that it puts a smile on the fan's face. And I think we're saying off the alimony. That's the subtext of the tweet. We don't talk about that. But yeah. it's it's such a it's such a genuine like I worked really hard on this game. Um, mm -hmm. There's not a lot of advertising for it. In fact, I I don't think I've seen any. To be completely honest with you, Namco no, Bandai really, kind of just shoved it under the rug. You really dropped the ball on that one. And and thank you for saying it correctly because Daniel always says uh, it's Bando Namkai or yeah Bando Namkai Bando yeah. Namkai. <laughs> Every time. It's okay. That's okay. He, we, yeah. he means well. He's but a lovely boy. He he's the reason I played the Katamari games. He's the one who in, who you know uh, we were hanging out one day and he just was like asking if I had ever played it and instead of telling me how to play the game, simply put it in uh, to his PlayStation and just handed me a controller and was like, "Here you go, just play it." He's just, very dramatic, but I yeah. I will say there's no bigger proponent uh, for Katamari than Mr. Daniel. It is. He still has a PS2 copies lying around the house yeah, somewhere. So, absolutely. Yeah. And I think I'm a close second. I just recently purchased the soundtrack on vinyl. Um, oh, shit. All right. All right. <laughs> and I think I, I can speak so highly of the soundtrack. I mean, when I was in college and I was back in the day when you could only store so much on your phone, um, I would keep the, the soundtrack on there just so I had something to listen to while I was walking around campus because uh, it's just so pleasant. And when you're playing the game, it's very transportative because you're kind of like in this um, spectacular universe that is so wholesome in a way, but so it's odd. There's something odd about it, but it's very satisfying and, and sweet in a way. Um, so you know, what, you know what's really crazy though? Mm -hmm. I didn't know you went to college. Shut up. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> Please go ahead. <laughs> <Shut up. laughs> 
I went to college the same way that Buffy went to college, okay? <laughs> and then I was enrolled, but I was too busy going to class because I was killing vampires. Right, and getting your heart broken by the college heartthrob. <laughs> and then he gets murdered by, like, dire wolf or something. It's like, oh, well. So I can't. We, this is not the Buffy fan cast that we have we have talked about many times. Um, every so, episode of the Save Room is a Buffy fan cast. <laughs> every Sorry, day Save Roommates, <laughs> you got duped. <laughs> every day of my life is a Buffy fan cast. So Katamari would absolutely be the first game that I would get. Um, gotta get uh, Let's Go Eevee. And I know you're gonna ask Fuck me. That. No, listen. No, I'm just going to say fuck that. No, incorrect, because I what? get to have a Vaporeon, and that's very important to me. <laughs> no, you didn't. It's very important Not on my to podcast. Yes. <laughs> He's my favorite, my favorite son, and I love him. Uh, you know I got to go with Piku. P- uh, Pikachu. Sorry, who? Piku. Oh. Oh, Piku. That's my boy Piku. Uh, I've been yeah, drinking I know him well. Sunday. God damn it! This is not a work day, <laughs> Jess. Stop coming after me. You're, listen, you're on the podcast. It's work. That's true. I I am running this ship uh, today, and I, I I need to treat it tender and well. <laughs> <laughs> not let I'm, it I'm just a lone crewman trying to help you survive. <laughs> okay. Well, will you get Smash? Uh, I will not be getting Smash. <laughs> what? what I will fuck? not. Well, I'm a, I'm a different kind of gamer. I am I wouldn't say I'm like a casual gamer because honestly, if I would add a third game to that lineup, it would probably be The World Ends With You or maybe even like Transistor, which are two. They're not easy games. They're not. I mean, they're they're complicated. They have really complicated mechanics when you get right down to it. Um, they're beautiful games, but you know they're not they're not easy and casual the way Katamari and Pokemon are. I mean, there's something about Smash that is. I played it when I was younger. I just am bad at competitive fighting games mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. i because i get so worked up and nervous but i do like playing as like you know kirby and having like a good time just like destroying people as a small pink creature which i mean who doesn't love that i will agree like it does take a certain uh okay so when i'm done with a session of smash i realize that my shoulders are tense and i'm like what what the fuck really? Why am I so-? yeah i get tense during like competitive games like i enjoy them but i realize that like oh shit i've been tense and alert and it hasn't really been like relaxment sometimes that's good sometimes that's a good release to be like I get, i'm getting my frustrations out on on <laughs> Nintendo, that stupid tony the tiger son of a bitch but like you know <laughs> other days it's like uh you know i'd rather just kind of play something along the lines of uh tetris or or katamari you know just mm-hmm. something relaxing something that's meant to be stimulant but like not not you know pulling something out of you challenging but not frustrating there's this game that i was interested in actually a co-worker of mine brought it up to me um he's a stringent pc gamer so he only talks about games that like he sees on pc and he was like oh there's this game on early access i think it's coming out on uh he has a moldovan accent actually and i'm not i'm gonna i'm gonna do him the justice of not trying to replicate Don't. but he brought this game up to my attention called subnautica it's it's kind of like those old endless ocean games uh oh. for the wii where you just kind of like go through the ocean and discover stuff. But the bent this game is that it's a, sur- a survival game. I think kind of No Man's Sky, but underwater, but also it gets scary as fuck. Because the so, deeper you go, the larger the creatures are. So it's and like it's, No Man's it's Sky wild. meets Echo the Dolphin meets Don't Starve. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's what the box said, actually. <laughs> 
<laughs> Dash Game Pro. <laughs> How long has this been in early access? <laughs> but the thing is, like, gaming has gotten to a point where it's like it's so different than like when we were growing up and playing it and like getting our hands on Pokemon for the Game Boy. It's where there's mm-hmm. a such a variety of things out there that that are meant for all tastes. So it's like I don't even think it's like appropriate for somebody to be like, well, I'm a casual gamer because I don't engage with mainstream games. No. Mm-hmm doing your own shit and going after a subset of games that other people would have no idea for like you love indie games i do i just i don't really i don't like to call myself a gamer because i feel like i'm going to get that challenged every single time i bring it up it's going to be like what games have you beat recently and it's like well well i i play tetris every day and i'm getting very good at it (laughs) like like i don't know i I don't know what to say you know honestly i I know exactly where you're coming from and i also kind of am very hesitant to be like i'm a gamer and proud of it i'm like i'm not really proud to be i'm not i'm not but i'm in the ecosystem with people that look at a game and if you add women to it they think it's a political statement what the what the fuck exactly exactly especially if the woman isn't fuckable <laughs> especially yeah Here, this, so this is why you're on the the save room proper now we're <laughs> exactly. into it that for most people that would challenge me on video games and whether or not i am actually like a gamer um i have been playing video games for like 20 years I have beat a lot of video games. I have played, I can like look over right now. I have a stack of like nine different like Game Boy cartridges that I've plowed through all of them. I mean, you've seen me go through some pretty difficult games. I mean, like I, I played a shit ton of Bioshock Infinite and fucking all the Borderlands games. And I mean, I had Borderlands for three different systems for fuck's sake. Like, um, <laughs> yeah. So I just, but I, you know, I have a huge Steam backlog and I've got like, you know, I think I I mentioned every time I get an email from Steam where it's like, you've got 30 games on your wish list that are now on sale and my wallet's just like, fuck you, (laughs) you know, but I, and I do, and I do want to put the time into playing these games, but um, even though I do, I do love doing it. I just, I feel reticent to, to do it because I don't feel like I belong in that community sometimes. Oh, and that's like the most heartbreaking thing to, to hear that it's it's been so like the gatekeeping is so prevalent and the elitism and the fucking just horrible mentality is that we're keeping interest out. We're keeping like we're stopping growth of this hobby of ours that we love so much of like really just being the kind of cultural thing like, the, you know, the argument where it's like, is it art or not that comes up? It wouldn't come up if it if we didn't have these subsections that just stopped it from growing amongst the population. Yep, exactly. That's exactly it's like, it. It's all mine and you can't have it. And, and you're also, not allowed. The default should be a white male with muscles in every cover art, just all of them. This <laughs> like, is, and, and honestly, like I'm wearing my Mass Effect hoodie right now. And I, that's, that's the perfect example of it. Like, I think you remember how excited I was when they came out with the different uh, cover for for Femship for the for the third one. Yeah, right. And people got like upset about that. Mm-hmm. It was a reversible cover. You don't have to like why? What? It's very existence upsets them. But it's like it's such a big thing. And like I I think especially for the white males that dominate this this uh, passion of mine is that they don't realize that that means the world to somebody out there. Like let's go yep. back to Miles Morales for instance. That of meant course. the world to people that just pick it up and go like, that's me on the cover. 
have you you've had that moment before where there's been a piece of media where you're like oh my god that's the closest to me i've ever seen and now mm -hmm. i love this I, I i feel like maybe you might feel that way with peter parker i think there's a part of you that's always kind of been like yeah there's things that peter parker stands for that i just like i i feel that and there have been times when i've been playing games and there's been times when i've been experiencing media where it was like oh hey that's me and the fact that i get to feel this like even though it's something that other people have questions and like not even taken into account like white men get to just play call of duty and they don't even think about it because the character's automatically like a white dude but for me to get to play mass effect and maybe even like make my femship look maybe a little like me even though i went with like a redhead because she's way cuter that way um <laughs> but, but you know the, the fact that that's an option to me and like i can make her look like this weird jew and in, in space like fucking up aliens and that's awesome no, that's fantastic. And it, it, it shouldn't be something that's like, oh, this is a political statement. Um, identifying as a, a way or a race or a creed or a, a sexuality preference is not a statement. No, it's not. <laughs> it's and who you are. Exactly. So we went on a tangent on that, but we I was glad to, glad to have you on that. Yeah. Um, there's some news we got to go Oh, there's a, there's a bit of news we got to get through, and we definitely That's have quite. to uh, talk about the Game Awards as well. Oh, yeah, we do. Now, I'm going to do the bit where you absolutely hate where I read to you. Let's, let's do it. <laughs> so <laughs> let's start. In. This first thing's really cool because it was born of kind of something that really tragic that occurred in the industry, which is Telltale's dissolution. It was very sudden but there is a bittersweet kind of sun patch in this whole endeavor so let's talk about it real quick the final season of telltale's walking dead continues next month capping off last saturday's kind of funny game showcase really really cool event that they held by the way that they That's did because awesome. psx got canceled and they're like oh wow all of, all of the indie devs that would kind of depend on a show like that for exposure let's get them on board on our shit and let's do like just a big old highlight reel for them. So many cool fucking games, games that we knew about, games we didn't know about. Uh, Ape Out is coming out in February, which is amazing. And then uh, Boyfriend Dungeon got a shout out on there too. I, oh, I told you yes, about please. that. Oh, Boyfriend give me Dungeon. Boyfriend Dungeon. So good. Diablo I mean... and a dating sim together. <sighs> Okay, let's put it this way. I yeah. play so many dating sims in like in in the best way. Like I think I've talked to you about like Monster Prom and how much I love it and you know, like things like Doki Doki Literature Club and Diablo is one of the few games that I have like for my PS4 as like a physical copy. So I need Boyfriend Dungeon like yesterday. <laughs> I, I'm, I got my hands on it at PAX and it is a <sighs> lot of fun and it's very like kind of nascent stage because it was still being uh, funded, but I'm excited about that. But that's besides the point. Good job, kind of funny, by the way. Definitely inspired me and Daniel to start the safe room. So I'm proud to see them grow to this. Like they started in a room kind of like me and Daniel and grew to have a studio and they're doing a fucking showcase for the industry. It's, it's good to see positive impact. So isn't that go. inspiring? Isn't it just, but let's get back to the walking <laughs> dead. So, uh, capping off last Saturday's kind of funny game showcase. There we go. Was a surprise trailer for the walking dead. The final season broken toys is the third of four episodes originally planned to end the series, but Telltale's surprisingly sudden closure halted development on the finale. Skybound Games, an offshoot of Robert Kirkman's Skybound Entertainment, promised it would finish the season, but not before acquiring ex-Telltale talent to help. Skybound wrote on their blog, quote, We're extremely thankful to the team working on this game to make sure the season is finished with the quality the game and the fans deserve. 
we are hashtag still not bitten, end quote. Skybound also stated that all seasons of The Walking Dead, which were previously yanked by Telltale, have returned to digital storefronts with the exception of PC. Episode three arrives January 15th. Where are you at with The Walking Dead? So I didn't play it the most recent season. Um, no one did. <laughs> but I am absolutely going to download everything uh, as soon as I can, because this is a series very near and dear to my heart. I think that it's probably one of the best narratively designed games I've ever played. And the dissolution of Telltale was absolutely heartbreaking for several different reasons. But I think the fact that they are bringing back the people who initially worked on it, the people who were, were let go so unceremoniously, I think that's I think that's honorable. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's... Uh... Oh, it's a hard thing because it's like the question is like, all right, what's going to happen to these employees after? But, you know, and there's a lot of people that weren't involved with Walking Dead where the, they're not affected. They don't have jobs right now or they're still searching or, you know, they're still struggling right now from it. So the, it's it's a bittersweet thing because it is a capper to the game that kind of brought Telltale to the forefront. But at the same time, it's a finale. It's not just a finale of The Walking Dead. It's it's the true finale of Telltale. And mm-hmm. that's what makes it just feel just heavier. I'm into it. I, I definitely want to see uh, this series out. I, like you, I didn't engage with season three. I played season one, loved it. Season two, was like, okay, uh, you know, kind of. I was there for it. I was there for it, but I was missing. It was missing some of that impact that I wanted there. And also it didn't connect very well with that in-between story that they did. I think it was like uh, Walking Dead 400 Days that they released. Yes. And I was like, yeah, a few of the characters showed up in there. I was like, uh, but some of them die, some of them don't. I'm like, I don't know that I should care about these because obviously we know like Clementine's the hero. So right. that's the one we're following. But and then three, I, I don't know anything about three, but four was so interesting because, yeah, it's the ending. What, what do you think going forward, what we're going to see, like any kind of learnings from Telltale in the industry kind of like drip through at like, you know, like their narrative style, you know, because that, that was one of the things that they said when the, the studio shut down. It's like, well, we're, you know, hopefully these people will be seated throughout uh, the industry. Yeah, I'm, I'm really hoping that the people who were let go find a foothold in the industry because, I mean, not only were they were they talented, but I think that that kind of storytelling is necessary. I think the way that storytelling has been done in the past has been so so myopic and so narrow and it needs to be mm-hmm. expanded. And I think the reception to the way that, you know, this studio was broken and the way that things ended, I think people will see, you know, we do value this kind of storytelling. This is important to to fans. So this is something that we should be nurturing. Yeah, so episode three. That is going to be coming out January 15th. I probably still going to wait for the whole collection to come out. Yeah, uh, me too. Just play it as in, in just one shot because I remember but that, I will that's get how it, I love though. playing those. Yeah, yeah but I will get it. Hey, guess what? What? We're going to be talking about Todd Howard real soon. Oh, God. Todd <laughs> fucking Howard. Not an episode goes Not by. Not a single days. one. So, Kevin is rubbing this in my face because I am a st- I am a steady listener of this podcast. I am a I am a fan because it is it's good content and I love these soft boys. Oh wow! But it's nice I, of you. But listen, I called yeah, him yeah. out. I called him out on mentioning Todd Howard in every single episode, <laughs> and I think he did this just to rub it in my face. Listeners, go to the polls. Tell me what you think. 
well, fucking D- Todd needs to stop, like, you know, stealing candy from babies and kicking puppies. <laughs> Get out of the news. Take a vacation. That Get is going to be <laughs> that is going to be a new mini game in Fallout where you just play as Todd and it's just like a first person perspective of you just like stealing from children and knocking over strollers and <laughs> nothing would make me happier. <laughs> <laughs> Not even, not even an absolutely perfect Resident Evil Two, <laughs> like pristine first edition copy, would make you happy. Nope, <laughs> playing as Todd Howard, <laughs> just being like Dennis the Menace, <laughs> run amok. <laughs> Bethesda accidentally leaked customer info online. Todd, Jesus Christ, Todd, Todd. Oh my God. Bethesda's not having a happy holiday. Fallout 76 has been a critical and commercial catastrophe for the company. And that mess was compounded by a falsely advertised canvas bag supposed to have been included in the game's $200 collector's edition. Fans (laughs) felt duped when they discovered the the bag that was packaged was actually made of cheap nylon. It was kind of like an Ikea bag. Oh, I saw. So to stymie the PR backlash, Bethesda began coordinating manufacturing plans to create the advertised bag and send them out to anyone that purchased a power armor edition. All customers had to do was submit a support ticket by January 31st to snag a replacement bag. Well, some customers who submitted a ticket said they were given access to people's personal information through their Bethesda account. And by personal, I I mean names, addresses, and in some instances, partial credit card numbers. Oh, Todd. Oh my God, Todd. Oh my God. A bug caused the unfortunate leak. (laughs) (laughs) Bethesda temporarily took their support site offline and the glitch has been fixed, but God damn, is that a shit cherry topper to an already shitty cake? What is going (laughs) on? This is hard on the soul. Now, I, I will say, like, I feel like we're in, in hyper mode, like our senses are heightened because of the dog pile that's happening on Fallout 76. So any ill doing that happens at Bethesda's part is going to turn into fucking headlines everywhere. Mm. But this is still pretty bad, though. I got to say, it's still pretty bad. I think if this had happened to any company, this would be major news. If it happened, like, to fucking, what, Facebook just dropping everyone's information out there? Hell yeah, people Can are going to fucking talk. Hasn't that happened, actually? I believe so. Honestly, probably yes. Mark says um, no, and I trust Mark. He's a billionaire. <laughs> um, I think this is reprehensible. I mean, this is terrible. That I work exactly. for, I work in support, and I work in things like this. And I think you understand because you do I as well. In- so you understand the gravity of the situation. <laughs> like if if someone at work came up to you and told you that something like this was happening under your roof, a fire under your ass would light so big, you would be kissing the ceiling. <laughs> like, it would just... <laughs> you turn into a Looney Tunes cartoon, like, right there in the spot. Yeah. Well, what I'm saying is this is a disaster. I mean, it, it sounds like it was approached very quickly, and I'm sure as soon as it was noticed, they, they were, like, in their fire extinguishers in the server room, and, and Todd was <laughs> fucking kicking puppies again. <laughs> but... 
it's it's not a good time. It's not a good look for Bethesda right now. It seems like they they got holes in their ship at the moment. And I have to wonder how how systemic this is. How long running behind the scenes has it been a shit show? Because you know we had the no clip kind of behind the scenes of Fallout seventy six where we got to hear about the creative side and the vision and this and that, but we don't have like the Jason Schreier point of view where it's like, what the fuck is really going on? My guys, like what, <laughs> So, what do you think they need to do to come back from all of these mistakes that have, that have been piling up under their name? Gotcha. It's a lot of, it's a lot of putting out fires and you just got to do it. Bend over backwards, make things right. Manufacturing the bag. I mean, damned if you do, damned if you don't, but exactly. damned you got to do it anyway, even if people still criti- like criticize you. Because the first thing that I thought was, how come you couldn't manufacture that before you sent these damn things out? <laughs> but uh, I, I'm sure it was probably an, an 11 o'clock error, like right before you know, launch or something that like they got the bad news. But somebody knew, like we talked about it in the last episode, somebody knew that this was going to happen and just failed to act. Or had a gentleman's agreement behind the scenes that let's just see how loud they bark. And if it's not that bad, whatever. But unfortunately for them, Fallout 76 was a goddamn shit show and people are barking. Got that right. (laughs) So you have to keep on doing the damage control, keep on fixing Fallout 76 to a serviceable state. uh, And, you know, maybe lay low with some plans for a while. Like maybe, maybe wait a little bit before you start talking about a uh, Starfield and such, because people <laughs> are gonna fucking just lace the these errors and these mistakes together. What it's gonna do is it's gonna tamper their excitement for your projects. Because I'm already like, I don't give a shit about Starfield because I don't think I have to wait like fucking a year and a half for it to even be playable. <laughs> <You know? laughs> it's not even on your radar at this point. Yeah, not really. So what what do you think? What what do you want to see from Bethesda for them to win back your trip? Because you were a fan of uh, Skyrim and like Elder Scrolls and such, right? I I loved. I mean, I played a lot of Skyrim. I played Oblivion. You know, I did play a little mm-hmm. Morrowind um, back in the day. Some Baldur's Gate. Um, <laughs> what? You okay? You okay? Uh, have, Sorry, there's some distortion. Have you not have you not heard all of the different ways that people try to pronounce that game? Baldur's. <laughs> Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's it's a disaster. Um, I you know I do I do love their their product, but I think that it needs to be a lot of uh, attention to detail about what the fans are genuinely asking for. And I think um, a lot of that's going to come down to exactly what you said. I mean, I th- I think you hit it on the head when you said there there just needs to be a lot of uh, damage control from here on out, and a lot of approaching things with more with their head on their shoulders, to say the least. More transparency, more engagement with your community. I think they're actually honestly trying to give that a go because they talked about they have a community team that's going to be more much more responsive and and kind of vocal about what's going on behind the scenes especially when it pertains to updates for fallout 76 just keep on going that direction but i'm so afraid they're just going to abandon fallout 76 maybe they'd be right to do it like just get it to where it doesn't fucking crash every time people launch it and then (laughs) after like about a year uh, goodbye we're gonna move on to something because obviously i i don't know how much more money that they can sink into it but it's not like it's the first time that we've seen something launch and be a shit show and then it has a triumphant second coming final fantasy 14 is one of the biggest examples of that to an extent no man's sky kind of had a second coming as well where it's like hey we finally met the expectation for it but i i think that's gonna be very hard for them because this is a 
a very, <laughs> very public, very visible kind of kind of fuck up. You know, it's definitely a fuck up, but they just need to keep on keep on trucking, Todd. Keep on trucking. <laughs> keep I, on trucking. <laughs> so next thing I got on here and it's kind of a twofer for you because, well, it's a special time with Resident Evil 2, the remake. Uh, a little over a month away from releasing. I'm very excited. There's nothing but Resident Evil news coming our way. It's so good. And I got to talk about it. And of course I talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> because I love it. <laughs> because I just love it. We know. We know. So go I on. You. I love you, Capcom. Anyway, uh, <laughs> the Resident Evil movie reboot has found its director. Constantin Films has tapped Johans Roberts to both write and direct the reboot. Johans has tangled with horror in the past, having directed 47 Meters Down and The Strangers Pray at Night. It's unclear if Roberts will be using any material from Greg Russo's script, which was said to be heavily influenced by Resident Evil 7, which is a very sad state of affairs if he doesn't use that script. On a previous episode, we misreported that James Wan was set to direct. The serialized horror filmmaker is only attached as a producer. Apologies to the Wan estate, Capcom, and anyone that ever sat through any of Paul W.S. Anderson's films. Just because. <laughs> just because on that one. <laughs> I think that the series needed an absolute reboot because we went far too deep into Paul W.S. Anderson's, hey, look at my wife kick dogs. <laughs> <laughs> the franchise. You're not wrong. Didn't you so see like you, one or two of those with me? I've, I've seen way too many. Let's put it that way. So what yeah. do you want from these films? Oh, man. Um, so what we reported last week is that Greg Russo was saying like, hey, I enjoyed the action-y uh, films that with uh, Mila Jovovich, but that's not my direction. For me, the series has always been horror first, action as a supplement. And I was like fucking round, like round of applause for this man. Holy shit. <laughs> and now, now I'm kind of like, ugh, because this guy's coming in. And while he does have kind of a solid track record when it comes to horror, but apparently 47 meters down, which is about sisters stuck in a shark cage at the bottom of the ocean. I don't know how that one slipped my radar. I need to see that immediately. Um, <laughs> uh, and then the Stranger sequel I heard was very stylistic and, and actually a kind of a great successor to the first film. So I, I want to see him cut his teeth on this and bring that kind of like that horror mindset to it. That's all I want. I don't need it to be about specific characters. I don't. I don't need it to be like a one for one of the Raccoon City Mansion incident. I don't need that. What I need right. is that take that Castlevania approach, for instance, kind of give me like the characters and the mood and the setting and, and do something kind of original and cool with it. That still feels like you're respectful to the tone and why we like the originals to begin with. Not this fucking backflip red dressed apocalypse thon that occurred. <laughs> you know? So you don't want to see some other actress wearing a similar outfit, doing the exact same thing but with better special effects. I won't give a shit the moment that they're like, oh yeah, we're kind of doing an Alice character again. I'd be like, that's oh not that's not what I'm here for, man. Yeah, I yeah. think they need to identify what makes the games great and go from there. Right, but like they wouldn't be wrong to go the Alice approach because the Resident Evil films are the most successful video game adaptations in history. Like I think combined, the movies are like <sighs> inching toward a billion collectively <laughs> when it comes to gross. Wow. Another reason to not want to call yourself a gamer. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> There's a disengagement. 
I got some more Capcom for you, Jess, because you asked for oh it. Oh, my God. <laughs> Capcom <laughs> might already be working on a Resident Evil 3 remake. <laughs> now, the rumor comes our way from a reset error post. In a thread musing on what Capcom could remake next, moderator Dusk Gollum <laughs> responded that the company is all hands on deck for a remake of 1999's Resident Evil 3 Nemesis. Mr. Gollum said, quote, I'm keeping my lips sealed on anything else, so don't ask. But Remake 3 is in full development right now. I think beyond that, they're waiting to see how Remake 2 and Remake 3 perform, but Remake 2 almost assuredly is going to perform well. End quote. Previously, Capcom had expressed interest in remaking their older titles, going as far to say that remaking the remake of Resident Evil wouldn't be laughable. I, I mean, I would giggle, but I would also buy it, so fuck me. Uh, however, there is no word of Capcom will ever ever get over their crippling cowardice and finally remake Dino Crisis. Oh my god, it's true. I mean, barring that, I will accept a remake of Cadillacs and Dinosaurs. Obscure, but it was awesome. <laughs> Do you know what that is at all? Cadillacs and Dinosaurs? Nobody does. I feel like you just made that up. No, I did not. It's actually based on a comic series that turned into like a kid's animated show and Capcom made a video game, a Final Fight style beat-em-up based on the animated show. And it was amazing because it was like fucking hillbillies beating up like motherfuckers and riding dinosaurs it needs to be back it needs did this take place in florida <laughs> just another day in florida the game <laughs> <laughs> well now, i play the fuck out of that <laughs> so resident evil 3 i have feelings tell me so, please well i always like to remind people because i'm a colossal fucking nerd that resident mm -hmm. evil 3 is actually a spin-off it is not a true sequel to resident evil 2 but because capcom had a contractual obligation with sony to have another numbered release on the playstation they just called that motherfucker part three wouldn't you? I would too. I'd be like, okay, cool. Three. <laughs> Contract's <laughs> over, bitches. Like, I would do the <laughs> And we're done here. Uh, the game is shorter. It's actually, I don't feel it's as content-laden as part two is. Part two actually had two discrete campaigns for Leon and Claire, which the mm -hmm. remake is going to do as well. Uh, whereas part three was all about Jill, and then we had some chapters where you play it as a character called Carlos Oliveira, who was technically working for Umbrella, but he had a heart of gold, so he was like, fuck Umbrella. <laughs> He's not wrong. Fuck Umbrella. He's right. Look what they did to the city. But um, it, it, it's a shorter game, but it does go to cool places. The hospital's introduced there. Uh, you go to Raccoon City Town Hall, which is pretty cool. It's also kind of confusing that just normal places in Raccoon City have very archaic, convoluted puzzles in order to just open up gates. That <laughs> it kind of stretches the concept a little thin where it made sense for the Raccoon City Police Department because it was like, oh yeah, this has deep roots in umbrella and shit. And it also used to be an art museum. Don't ask, don't ask. Don't ask. <laughs> just go with it, just go with it. Yeah, just go with it. But I would totally, I think it's an opportunity if they were to remake it. They could actually expand on the concept a bit, maybe flesh it out, maybe show us what Jill was doing uh, before the game started because it <laughs> runs concurrently with part two. And she actually visits the Raccoon City Police Department before Leon and Claire actually get there. So <clears throat> I think you can, there's some subversion, some fun that you can have there to really flesh it out. But I, I just kind of wonder because the source material is shorter than what the second remake is playing with. Mm. I don't know. I'm for it though. You, I'm not, I'm not going to say no. <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't kick it out of bed. I wouldn't kick it out of bed. I don't know. Are, are you, you think you're going to play any of these upcoming Resident Evil games? I am. I'm going to play too. You're going to play too, no shit. 
No shit. I told you. I, I no always shit. told you. <laughs> you ain't fooling? Yes, you ain't fooling? <laughs> I always told you. I said, when they remake it, that's when I'll be able to play it. Because I couldn't deal with the way the controls were before. But you I will be able to play this, this remake. Yep. You legit said this eight years ago to me. So I know. It was, <laughs> <laughs> I'm making good. I'm making good, okay? You After all this time. Good. I, I just think I'm afraid the Capcom might run into a wall at a certain point because then it's like, oh, well, the logical conclusion or the logical next step would be to remake Code Veronica. And I'm, and I'm going to put up a stop sign right there. Now, why is that? Oh, here it goes. Here it goes, guys. I'm the biggest Resident Evil fan out there. I'm not a big fan of Code Veronica. I love Claire, but it's the first instance of, wow, the story really jumped the fucking shark. It's it's kind of nuts. It's kind of anime-esque. It's very over the top. It was it was kind of like the first step toward the really just over the top. This is a Michael Bay ripoff that Resident Evil 5 became and bled into six, where they had to do that hard reboot with part seven essentially. Mm. Like or it was more of a conceptual reboot, but they kept the continuity. Good on you, Capcom. <laughs> I think they're just going to hit a wall like and then they're going to start asking themselves questions like do we remake four and I would argue probably the fuck not Four was a time and place kind of game. It's a benchmark game and I think it's one of the best games ever made but I don't see you making a remake that just misses the mark you know like it I don't think it can be done. Well I mean I'll defer to you on these things I trust your opinion on Resident Evil. I shouldn't be trusted but thank you. Now, I do want to talk to you about this next thing because it's very interesting and it, it delves into something that I kind of have a blind spot for, which comes to using Steam and PC community. So I would love to get your inputs on this. Here it goes. Epic launches their own online store to rival Steam. Ho, ho, <laughs> Now, Epic Games, purveyors of the Unreal Engine, Fortnite, and Once Upon a Time Ago, Gears of War, starring everyone's favorite thick soldiers, mm, has <laughs> launched the Epic Games Store. The storefront will be available through the web or straight from the Epic Games launcher. Hint, that's what you use to play Fortnite on PC. The store <laughs> will house games big and small, publisher-backed and self-published, as well as mods and free-to-play titles. Epic's revenue cut will be 12% on the nose, far less than Steam's 30% cut which is all the more noteworthy since Valve recently announced they will take less of a revenue share, but only for multi-million dollar selling games. That's not a good look, sweetheart. That's not good, nope. Valve. Valve, that's not baby. No, no, honey. <laughs> the selection is scant right now, but Epic is promising to sweeten the deal by releasing a new game for free every two weeks. The underwater hellscape of Subnautica and the protein-based platformer Super Meat Boy are the first freebies. Supergiant's newly announced Hades is an early access exclusively on Epic service right now, and the PlayStation exclusive Journey is making its PC debut there as well. With deep roots in the industry and deeper pockets thanks to Fortnite, expect to see more exclusive partnerships and deals like this in the future. Take it away. What do you think? Somebody is trying to eat Valve's lunch. I see that. So a lot of people have a kind of um, a stigma against Steam because, I mean, you said it yourself, it's taking quite a chunk out of the pockets of the people who are putting their games up for sale on there. If you're an indie developer, you only have so much money to begin with. And the fact that Steam takes a nice little portion for themselves makes this 
deal with Epic sound a lot more appetizing. It's I think so too. I think it's definitely going to be a pull, a uh, definite draw. In fact, uh, I was reading through some of the uh, reports here. There are companies that are pulling their games from Steam in favor of Epic. I've and definitely read that. That That's business, baby. The thing is, while Valve may be just kind of frowning very hard at this, this is a boon for consumers. It's good to have market competition. That's always been the case. It's why we don't just defer to Microsoft or Sony or Nintendo exclusively they, because they make each other better and they do things that kind of push things forward. I think this pushes things forward. I think I we're going to see some interesting stuff and option and variety is never a bad thing for the consumers, but I, I can definitely see there are some hard conversations that are probably occurring behind the scenes at Valve right now. I agree. And I think what is what is going to be good for the developers is going to be good for the consumers. I think at the end of the day, these people who are going to be uploading their games to the, um, you know, Epic store, you know, whatever, what does it have a name? Yeah. It's just the Epic game store. Uh, Okay. Not not for lack of imagination, <laughs> maybe just a branding <laughs> at that point. Fair enough. But there have been people who have been kicked off of Steam Greenlight and things like that that might be able to find a home here. And this mm -hmm. is going to be opening new doors for them. And I think some of the best indie games that have come out are non-traditional. And I think that's what makes Steam special. But I think even games that are turned away from Steam might have an opportunity to blossom here. And I think we might be seeing some really special things come out of this platform in a couple years. I think another attractive prospect, especially for indie developers or any developer at this point, is that uh, kind of the freedom that Epic is giving them, where they're allowed to, to actually maintain their own pages for their games. The Epic will not put any just advertisements on there, which Steam does do. Correct. Uh, and they also will allow them to kind of self-manage their own forums and communities. So whereas Steam has the Steam forums, Epic's like, no, you can just link to yours and you you do that yourself and you can moderate it how you want rather than being thrown into the bullpen of the, exactly. the larger bullpen. So that I think that's gonna be a very interesting thing. And I think that might that might be, especially since it's so young, it launched uh, I mean, time of release of this podcast that launched last week, I think people are going to see an opportunity and say, hey, I can engage with a fan base that wouldn't have heard me on Steam, that wouldn't have found my game. Uh, it's so exciting. Be good shit. Yeah, it, I, I fucking, I want it to happen. And I think Epic is in a position because their riches fuck. It's true. Kind of do what they want and do interesting things. They, they can be that crazy, passionate, rich guy, you know, that's just like, <laughs> I'm just going to fucking give to the poor. Why not? But I think it's going to ultimately be better in the long run. And I think I'm I'm one of those people who spends more money on Steam than I do on PSN or Xbox Live or something like that. But yeah. I'm not loyal to Steam. I'm loyal to indie games. So I'll go where they go. That's always been kind of my argument when people start drawing lines in the sand about like, I'm on PC only, I'm on PS4 only. It's like, I go where there are games. And I yeah. go where there are good games, especially. I'm kind of agnostic in that way, but I love this hobby. And I'm like, no, that there is something for everyone out there. This is a good thing. This is going to be a different kind of curation. It's going to be, I, I think they're going to run into the same kind of problems over time that maybe Steam had to have identified and, and be the pioneer on. But I think they should learn from those examples as well. So they, they have more of an advantage in a way because they've, they're able to watch Steam start and grow and make mistakes and and have success and such so we will see how epic 
takes that shit. I'm looking forward to it. Now, you want to get into the main event? Let's do it. I'm ready. Jeff Keeley's annual game awards occurred. <laughs> and we had some great moments. We had some well, not not very many cringy moments, unfortunately. Maybe like one or two. <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah, like the guy from Way Out was very like the director of the game. He was very subdued this year, unfortunately, where last year he was like, fuck the Academy, fuck the Oscars. <laughs> it was the greatest <laughs> shit. <laughs> now, uh, the funny thing is he Keely did it. He fucking did it. He got <laughs> he got Reggie Fizame on stage. He got <laughs> Philly Spencer on stage. He got Sean. I'm gonna throw a PS Vita into your spine laden on the stage together. <laughs> the Trinity. And you know and what they announced? That they were all going to make out. Well, yeah, it could have been that. <laughs> <laughs> they announced nothing. They just kind of showed up. Daniel asked me, he was like, oh, what game were they promoting? I was like, uh, that they, they were just promoting gaming. I don't they were know. just there to just talk and be happy. <laughs> I don't know. They were united by Fortnite. <laughs> So there are some highlights. There were a lot of celebrities. And I know that question always kind of comes. How do you feel about that? Because they had like Christoph Waltz, you know, Waltz on the stage and whatnot. And I saw I on my timeline, people just, why not a dev? Why not somebody in the industry presenting these awards? I, f I feel like when they do things like that, they're trying to garner the attention of people who wouldn't necessarily be watching the games awards. But it's yeah. like... Why do you care about those people? Like, you are not going to get somebody to start playing video games by showing them an award show. Like, that's just not going to work. <laughs> yeah, it, it, like, precisely. It's like, it, you have a draw, and I'm not sure who you're drawing in. Exactly. Like, like, I don't... Like, bragging rights for your show at that point? Like, I'm now, not... I want to hope that, like, some of the celebrities they bring on, like, part of me wants to think that these people ask to be on it. Like, maybe Christoph Waltz just fucking loves nintendo like you have no idea he is the biggest nintendo head like he just he loves like smash brothers and he's got like a lineup that he picks from but ultimately i i really don't think it's that i think it's just them trying to put well, a little my, bit of my dude was actually making pc master race jokes on stage so he, he knew yeah that <laughs> knew is something. the most entry level like joke you could be making about video games like i yeah. i you know, they sell like gaming pads with that at Walmart. You know, I just, I want to think it's something else, but ultimately I know they're just trying to put a little bit of like glitz and glamour on top of it and try to make it a little bit special. They've always done that. You know, like Sam Jackson was like hosting the show when it was on Spike TV still. And uh, they, they always, I mean, go ahead, do your thing if you need to have to draw. And there's also criticisms about the whole, like, it's the only award show that I've ever heard of that actually interrupts itself to, like, make announcements about uh, essentially just displaying commercials on Pretty stage much. in between Pretty awards. Much. And it's like, yeah, I get that. And I don't know if that's, like, really just a pulse check for where the industry is at because it's such a, a – uh, it's a consumer product. It's a commercial product. You know, it's, it's a good not way of putting art. it. It's commercial art. Like, it, it, it's not necessarily art for the sake of art. And it's not necessarily something that's like, oh, uh, it needs to be disparaged as a toy. You know, it's like it's it's nebulous almost. That's why people argue about like, what's what's what are we really saying? But overall, I really do think like Jeff does care about uh, Jeff Lee Keeley, by the way. He really <laughs> does. He really does care about what he's doing. He cares about this industry. And 
you know, whatever amount of collusion that he has with these publishers that wrangle them together and get shit like Sean Layden and, and Reggie and, and the other dude, uh, the, the, <laughs> the other dude, the, the, you know, the one with the doofy face, uh, yeah, the, I know. The, the t-shirts and, uh, what's it? Uh, Philip Spencer. <laughs> <laughs> It's like you're just talking about yourself. I don't understand. Oh, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> White guy. He wears gaming t-shirts. Oh, wait. Jeans? Oh no. <laughs> oh no. But I think I think there's still something cool behind behind it where it's like we at least get a, sh- a chance, no matter how overshadowed they are by gaming announcements, to display the work and effort of the teams that are actually behind the games, not just the marketing, essentially. So we have some announcements. We'll break it into announcements and also who actually won awards. So we're going to start with these announcements because, you know, we're here for the commercials. You know what I'm saying? Of course. So yeah, we're... it's just like the Super Bowl. Exactly. We'll speed through some of this shit. Not all of it needs a, a complete breakdown, but we'll get into it. The first thing that fucking surprised me, he actually got me shook a little. I was like, good job, Jeff. <laughs> Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3 The Black Order was announced. It's being published by Nintendo. This is something that I missed because I was like fucking live tweeting and like watching the trailers at the same time and trying to take screenshots. I I was being a fucking content create man. But (laughs) Nintendo published it or is publishing it and fucking Team Ninja is developing it. If you don't know, they did Dead or Alive, Ninja Gaiden, Neo, Hyrule Warriors, Fire Emblem Warriors. They know action games. Holy shit. There hasn't been a Marvel Ultimate Alliance game in a decade, since 2009. <laughs> and the fact that it's exclusive for the Switch. I know, it's crazy, and it looks great. Like, So the original games were like isometric perspective. This one's doing behind the shoulder, but it's still the same spirit, where it's like you're going to be working in a team of four, and you're going to be just beating up fucking villains and bad guys endlessly and combining your powers, and it's so cool. I, I love the games as a kid. I had them for PS2, it first came out, and then 360, and oh shit we definitely played it on the 360 yes no we definitely did actually because that was like a, a demo disc or like a free disc that they gave with like the console at some point so there was endless copies of this fucking game it was pretty popular for something that just kind of went away now what i love to see in this game is that one we are so the Black Order is like kind of th- the children of Thanos, his generals essentially, and they're in the comics. And we saw some of them in Infinity War, including Proxima Midnight and the other assholes. <laughs> so, <laughs> so what's really cool is that unlike Marvel versus Capcom Infinite, we're seeing X Men, we're seeing callbacks to the actual comics. We're not we're not just seeing like oh who's in the MCU movies essentially. Like I like mm-hmm. that. It is the celebration of Marvel. So they're learning their lessons. Marvel Games, who who's like attached to this, they're learning their lessons from Marvel versus Capcom Infinite, which was so fucking, it was a low budget, surprisingly. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you saw anything from this game. No. The art was bad. The roster was disappointing. And a lot of it was rehashed materials from the previous Marvel versus Capcom game. It was it was a disappointment. Hmm. So I'm, I'm glad they're learning on that front. I was actually surprised it was coming out. I, I think you should get it. <laughs> I mean, if I get a Switch, hell fucking yeah. You should fucking get it. Okay, we need to speed through, though. That That is, like, mm, I would say my second favorite thing that I heard from the Game Awards. But we'll get to my first later. Okay, so Ooh. number two on here, McLaren Car Pack is coming to Rocket League. So go 
tell your dad it's available or whatever. Let's <laughs> get to number three. <laughs> Far Cry New Dawn. Ooh. So Ooh. it's a standalone spinoff set in Hope County, which is the setting of Far Cry 5, after the nuclear bomb drops in America. Sorry, that's a spoiler for five. Oops. Oh, <laughs> it releases February 15th and will be $39.99. It's not quite a sequel. And it's not quite an expansion. It's bigger than an expansion. Or maybe they're just saying that to get 40 bucks out of you. Whatever. Hmm. I'm I'm interested. I forgot that I played Far Cry 5. A blip in your memory? No, like legit. I I was thinking back and I was like, that didn't come out in 2018. That was dead. Oh, it did. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm starting. It's not a bad game. It, it does everything it sets out to do well. It's just kind of unfortunate that i've played that exact game four times previously starting with three going the blood dragon going the four going the primal and then five so yeah kind of kind of stamps out my excitement for it because you know you look at assassin's creed and they are doing interesting things and really kind of playing with the formula that they advance it forward uh with origins and odyssey and far cry is still kind of just far cry (laughs) so do you think you'll pick it up yeah probably (laughs) (laughs) i like far cry i do and i think this looks cool and i think they they have like kind of avoid the fill right here because fallout 76 was such a disappointment post-apocalyptic fans will latch on to whatever just plays well that's all they have to do they're like hey it's it's fallout but it plays well and turns on (laughs) (laughs) it boots up the next one you're excited about, Hades, yes. was announced. It's from Super Giant Games, the developers of Bastion and Transistor. It is set in ancient Greece. It's an isometric action RPG, and that was the one that's available early access right now on the Epic Games Store. Are you going to pick this shit up? I want it. I need it. Um, I love everything that Supergiant has ever come out with. I never got to finish Bastion, but I've played Transistor twice and I absolutely adore it. And if it's anything like that, then I'm going to love Hades. And you you watched, I mean, and you've seen some of, of what they're coming out with so far. And to be honest, I mean, it looks incredible. Yeah, I. it seems to be kind of just a continuation of everything we know Supergiant for, which is interesting music, the kind yep. of blend of story and gameplay. I, I want it. I'm there for it. I'm, I'm so into it. They will be getting my money. <laughs> yes, Supergiant. It's yours. The next <laughs> one on here is Scavengers. It's actually a, it's a new IP. It's a multiplayer survival shooter from newcomers Midwinter Entertainment. Uh, beta test will begin in 2019. One of 15 space shooters announced at the Game Awards this year. It seems like there's an endless supply of them. All except for Borderlands 3. <laughs> like everyone thought that that was going to be announced at the game awards and like nah nope no nope. nope. sorry guys at this point borderlands 2 came out in such a different ecosystem that i don't know what it could do that a destiny or a division or you know you know other games that are kind of taken the same mantle are doing well right now or anthem like it's coming out in a crowded space i have to wonder about about that yeah i guess i wonder about it I'm just I'm just worried. Jess, I'm just wondering. I'm worried about <laughs> no. <laughs> now this one was exciting for people that like Bandicoots. Uh Crash Team Racing Nat- Nitro Fueled was announced. It's a remastered version of CTR Crash Team Racing. Oh, imagine that. Which will include online multiplayer. Uh apparently it was only announced for the PS4, despite the fact the Crash Trilogy came out on everything, including the Switch. 
I don't know what's going on there, but whatever. Uh, I know Tim Gettys of Kind of Funny lost his fucking mind uh, to the point where he spilled coffee on Andy Cortez's computer and destroyed it, his laptop. Oh my God. So there's already one casualty from this game, and I don't know how many <laughs> more it will claim uh, going forward. You ever play this one? I, I didn't play any of them. No, I've never played it. However, I am. I do know it. I mean, this was one of those games that was like being played at my daycare that would get fought over where I would just say, okay, well, I'm just going to go play Pokemon in the corner and wait for you guys to be done fighting. <laughs> Mario Kart's better. Fuck y'all. <laughs> it's like, I'll be over here. Thanks, guys. Um, no, so you've never played them either. No, I I, uh, I don't think I played Crash on the PS1 and I didn't play CTR. I definitely didn't play CTR. Neither did I really play Spyro games, and I know that's really um, shocking for a lot of 90s kids out there that grew up with it. I was playing Gex, man. <laughs> <laughs> I played a little Spyro. Played a did little you really? Spyro there. Are you yeah, excited for the, the remastering? Yeah, I mean, we'll see if I can afford it after I buy a Switch and everything I want for it, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the next one on here is very exciting. It was The Outer Worlds. Uh, we mm-hmm. kind of got hints about this before, it is Obsidian's open-world shooter, which looks to be set on a rustic planet, eating Borderlands lunch again. Uh, it launches <laughs> in 2019. It is not an Xbox exclusive, as this game was in development before Microsoft acquired the studio. Interesting tidbit. It's being made for Take-Two. Uh, we are legally obligated to mention Obsidian previously developed Fallout New Vegas, and its founders worked on the original Fallout games before Todd broke his dick off in the series. Uh, oh, my God. This one looks actually very cool. Uh, One thing that people kind of noted that's missing from Bethesda's fallouts is this kind of tongue in cheek sarcasm, very wry sarcasm that fallout one and two had because that's kind of obsidian style or, you know, when they were interplay making those games before they branch off to obsidian that that's them. And the trailer showed that it showed just, you know, kind of a wry humor and it's not in your face kind of shit like borderlands is which got kind of grading on me after a while a lot of people have said that well when you have fucking dialogue in your ear every three seconds like it just gets to a certain point where it's like hey we're good a lot of the missions become repetitive when you're just repeatedly being asked to do ludicrous shit like find like a like a little person and and strap a bomb to their head or something like that like it, it just ridiculous stuff yeah and having the quest giver like scream at you the entire time while you go do that. exactly exactly yeah so I, I i that's why i would like to see obsidian's kind of take on on that style of shooter and yeah. i have to wonder if they're going to do any kind of like co-op or anything like that that would be pretty cool i'm here for it. I mean, i'm here for it too i'm here for it now the next one on here is the last campfire uh, this one's being developed by Hello Games. They did No Man's Sky, and mm-hmm. it looks a lot like Journey Light, essentially. Uh, I don't know if you saw anything from this one. It, it kind of is a little artful style. Uh, it, it seems like it'd be a quick, like, you know, in a single sitting kind of game. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah, but... I it, don't hate games like that. I don't mind it. Yeah, I think for them especially, they definitely... Because they, they are an indie studio, and they made, like, Joe Danger back in the day. And then they took on that huge project of No Man's Sky, despite being um, what we like to call lightweight. (laughs) Lightweight when it comes to staffing. Uh, And then, you know, I I could see them definitely just wanting to go for a smaller thing to get out, kind of flex their muscle, but not have to spend five, six, seven years on. That makes sense to me. If it's cool, I'll pick it up. It looks like something that should be on the Switch. Anyway. (laughs) 
Uh, the next thing on here is that PUBG is getting a winter map. I never played it, so I don't really care. But hey, hey. interesting. Jordan Vaught Roberts, who did Kong Skull Island and is apparently directing the Metal Gear Solid movie, directed a really dope short film based on the game. I don't know if you saw it. I didn't. No, it was cool. It was it was well shot. The action was great. Uh, essentially had a guy plop into a battlefield. Uh, I forget what song they had on there, but it was pretty, pretty fucking jamming. My dude just has a pan and he's just smacking people in the face. And it was interesting how he oh got around not showing people getting just shot directly, like clever camera angles that imply that, oh, yeah, somebody got gunned down. But this is still fun. <laughs> <laughs> so that was okay. That I probably will play PUBG. I think me and Daniel decided that battle royale games are uh, probably not for us. Yeah. Next thing on here is Ashen. It's a Souls-like, developed by Aurora Forty Four. It launched day and date of the show, and it was also one of the ones that is uh, exclusive to Epic Game Store. You like games like that? I like the the hard games. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I I definitely do. This one looked pretty cool. It's got a cool kind of style to it, and I know um. I think Waypoint Games was kind of shouting it out as well. So I'll check it out. Anyway, nice. the next thing on here is a big thing for Bioware fans, but we only know it as the Dread Wolf Rises, but we all know it's really Dragon Age 4. We all know. Uh, we just got a short teaser narrated by everyone's favorite egghead, Solus, and <laughs> we got nothing else. It, it literally it didn't show gameplay. It didn't even really have an animatic besides showing a title and some voiceover. <laughs> Honestly, that's all it needed because fans of the series are already losing their minds over it. Right. I, I wonder if they kind of watched what happened with Blizzard and how they didn't show off a Diablo 4 teaser of the same nature where it's just like a fucking title card and maybe some voiceover and we're just like oh That's no it. we got to do something <laughs> so here we go so <laughs> we must I, we must wh where are you at these days with bioware games because i know you're you, again we talked about you're big on mass effect but uh andromeda was kind of a dud yeah and... i mean i think i'm actually gonna go back and replay that at some point because i want to see if maybe like the patching is maybe hmm. you know made a dent in it but you know I, I love i love a bioware game and i haven't really delved too far into the dragon age series i did play the hmm. second one and a little bit of i think of the other one that came after it i don't remember the one that was like an in-between one in between so there's origins which was the first one i know that's confusing because it makes it seem like it's a prequel but it's the first one there's exactly. dragon age 2 and then there's dragon age inquisition which was the last kind of major one that's what it was i did play yeah. inquisition um they're okay they don't grip me as much as mass effect but i think i'm a little biased on the environment <laughs> i prefer i just prefer sci-fi over like a medieval sort of thing but uh so you know i'll play it i'll check it out actually i mean why not it looks like it might be promising from i mean some of the speculation i've heard fans making so far but i mean it's all kind of hush hush right now we don't know much yeah i i think uh the one thing that's kind of kept me out of really enjoying the dragon age series because i i played all of them i just never beat a single one of them i picked up inquisition it's the combat that kind of doesn't grip me because it really does feel like it's meant for uh mouse and keyboard it's kind of way more tactical rather than like making it feel like that kind of ebb and flow that you would find in Dark Souls or Witcher. You know, that, right. that kind of grips me a little bit more. So if it had that, I would probably go straight through that game, be a huge, huge fan of it. But otherwise, because I, you know, I, I hear they're amazingly written and what I did play, if it was like, no, this is kind of interesting what they're setting up, but well, we'll see what happens. Now, the next thing on here, I am massively excited for. Oh, tell me. Mortal Kombat 11. 
was shown off. Ed Boon revealed an incredibly gory announcement trailer, and the game is slated for April 23rd. That is just after my birthday, and just five months after its announcement, with a community reveal event set for January 17th. Now, the interesting thing is, it's coming to PS4, it's coming to Xbox One, it's coming to PC, and it's coming to Nintendo Switch. What? That one's a surprise. Uh, yeah, those are pretty graphically intensive games, especially if you go off of like what 10 did on uh, next-gen consoles. But I guess they're, they're doing a version for the Switch. The NetherRealm Studios sees the merit, and I don't think they're wrong for it. Take, take for instance, Dragon um, Dragon Ball Fighters was ported to the Switch because they were like, fuck, we got to be on there. <laughs> we got to do yep. it. So this one, the trailer kind of, it showed um, Raiden fighting Scorpion in a very dilapidated environment. Actually, it was one of the levels from the original Mortal Kombat, but everyone was dead where all the monks are in the background. The games get grimmer and grimmer as we go like through and through. Uh, Raiden best Scorpion blowing his head up with electricity. And then suddenly behind him, an older version of Scorpion who looks like he was from the original Mortal Kombat game shows up and just fucking eviscerates the dude. And then we get this kind of big pan out of this woman with an hourglass. So they've played with time travel before and the narratives of the game started with MK9 and going into MK10 did a huge like 20 year jump. I'm wondering mm. if they're just playing with like pulling people from different time periods and how that's going to play into the gameplay. You know, because I, I looked at Injustice 2 and the big change in Injustice 2 was that you're able to equip gear on your fighters to change their attributes. I'm wondering if it was like, hey, maybe you can change the attributes of your fighter based off of which timeline version of the character that oh, we're talking wow. about. Are they from MK1, MK2, MK3? Like, that would be so fucking interesting. I wonder wow, if they're going... that would be fascinating. Yeah, because Part 10 actually got rid of a lot of the older characters, brought back some of the famous ones, but introduced a new cast of characters. But I wonder if MK11 is going to be that same kind of everyone's here that Smash <laughs> is doing, <laughs> you know? All, all your old friends. Yeah, I would be so into it. Uh, you yeah. know I'm a big fucking fan of Mortal Kombat. You love, and I actually really liked Ten. Like that was a really fun game with the tower. That was awesome. Oh man, that, I I feel like NetherRealm is above and beyond when it comes to fighting games. So uh, good. You know, because they did the daily events, the weekly events, the faction wars were introduced in uh in MK10, I believe. That's how you keep fans coming back. Hell yeah, there's so much to engage with, especially. And what they did is they actually catered to people that don't like to go online and fight other people. They actually catered to somebody just going, hey, I'm going to fight the bot, but there's interesting challenges for me to do it and unlocks the entire way through. I think that's fucking great. That top level, top level right there. I'm so <laughs> excited for that one. The next one on here is, I, I think you might be a fan. Psychonauts 2 actually got a, its first trailer. I've never played a Psychonauts game. No? I thought you did. No, I love the name you though. to me. I've never played it. <laughs> I definitely, this is one of those games where I have watched people play it, but I've never had the controller in my hand and actually played it. Okay, gotcha. I'm in the same boat, actually. I've never played Psychonauts. Yeah, I've, I've just, I've never really, like, I never owned it. I've just, like, yeah. had friends who loved it, and I've definitely seen them dive into it. And I have nothing against the game. I've just never had a chance. Yeah, me neither. I know they brought it back out for PS4, I think a port or some sort of remastering. I, I hear nothing but good things. People go crazy about it. It's a cold hit. But the original came out 13 fucking years ago. Yeah, a long time ago. These are facts. Now, let's talk about Fortnite. You want to talk about no, Fortnite? Let's talk about Fortnite. Fortnite. So Fortnite, 
Did you say you had to go through the dock and clean up every instance of Fortnite? Okay, I had to correct like six different instances of you misspelling Fortnite. Yo, it's hard. It's hard writing these shows. (laughs) It's I I understand. That's why I'm here for you. It's okay. Okay, so Fortnite The Block was announced. It's apparently a map feature that will show off user-created content from the creative mode. Cool. I mean that that's cool. No, that's awesome. I'm Fortnite seems to be the biggest game out there because it did the one thing that other games and companies don't do, which is, hey, the barrier of entry is super low. You have a device. We have Fortnite for you. Jump online with your friends. It's matchmaking is so simple. The concept of the game is pretty easy. The graphs and oh, hey, it's not a game where people's heads are being torn off. So the kids can play it, too. They hit every. It's it's not a bad concept. Yeah, Hmm. it's just it's just not for me. That's it. Same about it's not an experience I can like lose hours in, but hey, good for you all if you're creating shit. Exactly. I will let other people enjoy it. That's for you. Have fun. I'm not going to sit here and yuck anybody's yums. Have a good time. (laughs) The next thing on here, Rage 2 got a release date announced with a new trailer. It's happening May 14th, 2019. Apparently it plays like Doom, looks like Borderlands, and seems caustically annoying. Uh, <laughs> the truth. I'm sorry. It looks so. The marketing is so irritating for this fucking game. Like they're, 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 everything's like party, party, party. We're gonna go to the desert and be badasses. And I'm just like, Borderlands did this like fucking years ago already. I, I, come on. <laughs> Does that mean you're not gonna get it? I'm not that interested in Rage. I picked up Rage One and was just like, oh, oh, this is kind of <laughs> kind of bland. Has interesting ideas, but it's kind of bland. I don't know. I'm not sure what I expected, but I definitely wasn't wowed. I mean, I I don't know. I'm not that interested in, honestly, more and more games come out every year, and I work more than I did when I was 22. So (laughs) when, like, the last Rage came out. Exactly. uh, I got to be pretty choosy about how I spend my time. I don't know if I'm going to spend it on Rage 2. But, hey, if you're out there and you dig it, I am willing to be surprised. I am agnostic towards Rage 2. Impress me. Go ahead. Do it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> last thing on here is actually a major surprise for smash players joker from persona 5 is coming to smash brothers ultimate as a dlc fighter the first of five content packs uh if you didn't know that's going to be including uh, a new level and some music from the game that the character is from which means we're gonna get fucking beneath the mask in the game i bet you oh man do you know the song what does that mean you don't know what Beneath, Beneath the Mask is? The song from no. Persona 5, the video game by Atlas? I, go on. Oh, well, it goes like this. It goes, I'm a shapeshifter. I pose masquerade, hiding both face and mind, all free for you to draw. Not, nothing? That's not? Nope. What happened? I'm a shapeshifter. What else should I be? Please don't take off my mask, revealing dark. No? no nothing? You got? Uh, no. Oh, you know what? Now that you say uh, that, no. Yeah. Oh. Well, anyway, it was really <laughs> exciting for nerds. <laughs> I, I can't relate. Let's get into the meat and potatoes here. Let's talk about the Game Awards winners. Now, I want to mention the nominees for like kind of the top categories, but we're going to do a fucking like speed through for the rest of them because Jeff kind of did the same thing. In fact, he did this weird shit where the pre-show had award announcements. Like what? I saw that. I was like, what's going on? Isn't that kind of a major bummer? Like, what if you didn't know yeah. that? You're like, oh, hey, your your indie game got fucking game of the... For you're like, what? I was in the category. bathroom. I don't... This was the pre-show. I thought you were just going to do, like, some music and some jokes, and Jack Black was going to take off his shirt or something. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. 
<laughs> well, let, let's let's go to the cream of the crop here, and you, you, we we'll talk it out. We'll talk our feelings out on this one. Okay? Let's do it. Game of the year went to God of War, Sony Santa Monica, and SIE. I called it, didn't I? Call it? I called it. No, I called it. What do you mean you called it? Who'd you call? <laughs> This is what I voted for. This is what I was hoping would win. I think this game was a powerhouse. What I played of it was impressive. I mean, I, I think that what they did with this game is probably one of the best that they've done in a long time. Yeah, through and through, it is a solid, solid game. Honestly, like you can see all of its design goals laid out before it, and it just fucking hits the mark on each. It is such a solid experience, and the story is legitimately affecting for having to deal with, you know, the war god Kratos, who was just a fucking rage monster in the first three games. Barely a characterization, more of an idea of, you know, anger personified. Exactly. So it was so cool to actually see a characterization that give him that kind of grounding with his son. It totally deserved it. The, the runner-ups on there were actually Assassin's Creed Odyssey, Celeste, Spider-Man, oh, Petey, uh, Monster Hunter World, and Red Dead Redemption 2. I honestly thought I was going to go to Red Dead because eh. it just seemed like an easy thing. And my personal pick was Spider-Man. That's my favorite game of the year. Of course. But I respect the shit out of what God of War did. And if Spider-Man didn't come out this year, I would be like, oh, yeah, without a question. But I'm extremely biased. <laughs> so, <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, best game direction went to God of War. <laughs> huh, weird. <laughs> the nominees in that category were A Way Out, Detroit Become Human. How fucking dare you, Jeff Keeley? <sighs> and then Spider-Man and Red Dead 2. Come on. Fuck it. David Cage. David C- If I saw that son of a bitch on stage, I'd be like, <laughs> don't, do a, don't do a 2019, Jeff. <laughs> don't you do it. <laughs> Sorry. I don't know. You know the criticism's right about that. Game. I understand. I understand. Yeah. And I've never played a David Cage game that, like, he uses metaphors like you would a chainsaw. That was it's a visceral image. Really, though. Like, my man should not be allowed near words. <laughs> <laughs> Best narrative. Red Dead. I am glad that it went to Red Dead. We touched on it earlier in the episode. I really do think it's the best story of the year. It has something to say, and it's so impactful. I think back to moments where it's such—it's just the simple lines. It's the first Rockstar game where it's not like every character is a character, where every character is over the fucking top, like Trevor from GTA V. Okay. No, you have grounded conversations about morality, what it means to actually grieve over the loss of a lifestyle, the self-assessment that comes with somebody who is realizing his way of life, life is reaching a twilight. It, it's hard shit and it's yeah. good. And I just remember like getting toward some of the final chapters of the game again, no spoiler where I was actually kind of just like choked up. Like it was hard to get through a scene. Cause I was just like, I knew where it was going and it hurt. And no other experience this year did that for me. A rock star game did. <laughs> so I mean it happens. Best ongoing game winner. Drum roll, please. Fortnite. Okay. <laughs> that's a new well, category. I mean, yeah. Anyway. That's how games are. That that's an interesting way to look at it, where it was like, hey, even though this game came out like 2016, 2017, it still has a fan base, it still has a community, it's still much different than where it started out. And you look at the other games uh, uh, that were nominated, Destiny 2, No Man's Sky, Overwatch, Rainbow Six Siege, 
none of them resemble the game at launch. You know, they, mm. they, they went through this continuous evolutions and I, I've heard that they were supporting that game in such elegant ways and interesting ways to make it seem fair and, and not kind of exclusionary like some of the other games when they introduce their DLC. So exactly. Good on you, Fortnite. You, you're doing it, man. You, you're the most popular game I don't play. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to speed through some of this shit and stop me when you actually want to like, hey, let's talk about this. Okay? You got it. So, best art direction went to Return of the Abra Din by 3909 LLC. So, looks like they didn't land on a name. <laughs> I will say that I am a really big fan of that studio. Um, they actually did Papers, Please, which was one of my very favorite indie games of all time. Have you played this one? I have not, and I really want to. Um, uh, it's next on my Steam games that I'm going to be purchasing. It looks really fascinating. I agree that it should have absolutely won for Best Art Direction. It's a very stellar kind of examination in the way indie games are, so mm. I'm looking forward to playing it. I'm interested. I, I need to go back and play Papers, Please. Uh, did they put that on please. the Switch? Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if they did, but if if it's on there, I absolutely recommend it. And if it's cheap, I'll just buy it for you, honestly, because it's it's incredible. <laughs> awesome. Next one on here. Best score slash music went to Red Dead Redemption 2. And let's compound that with best audio design also went to Red Dead. Um, I'm inclined to agree as well. I think the music was actually really affecting throughout Red Dead and very interesting and very much... Uh, the way that the audio design laced it to certain moments that were definitely like caused by me and not just story beats was so kind of gratifying and interesting and just brought it to life. Like I, I think the first game was like that too. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Like I think it goes through and through, especially when you get to the latter chapters of the game where they actually start doing like lyric driven songs, which is a surprise. Like the first time it happens, you're like, oh wait, <laughs> what's <laughs> wait. happening? Yeah, so I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm there for it. Now, best performance went to Roger Clark as Arthur Morgan from Red Dead Two. I think an argument could have been made for the, uh, the actor that played Cassandra in Assassin's Creed Odyssey. <laughs> so I didn't care for Arthur Morgan to start with. Right. But by the time that I, you know, actually got through the credits and through everything, uh, yeah, no, I, I agree. It went places. And he delivered it in a way, especially when something happens to his character and the way that the actor portrays it is so affecting and so fucking good. So I agree. I agree with that one. Is there anything that stood out to you this year? No, I mean, I, I think I agree with you that it, initially I wasn't really a huge fan, but what I have seen and what I've watched people play of that game, I respect the performance. Okay, since there's no other uh, appropriate place to put it in this uh, episode, I'm gonna I'm gonna use my John Marston impression here. Okay. My name is John Marston, and I love Abigail. There you go. <laughs> I feel like I feel like I'm right back in the first Red Dead. And Little Jack. <laughs> <laughs> games for Impact goes to Celeste by Matt Makes Games. I really need to play this game uh, at yeah. this point because people are going yeah. nuts for it. I uh, hear the music is fucking great, done by uh, Lena Rains, and I actually listened to the soundtrack before I ever played the game, and I was like, this nice. is fucking popping. <laughs> so it also also won uh, Best Independent Game. So I think mm -hmm. that on top of the things that it won and the things that it was nominated for, I think that this game is going to be extremely successful after the fact. Yeah, I have to wonder what sales look like after an event like this exactly. for like smaller games. Like I, they they probably get a big old shining spotlight on them, which is good. It's good for them. Which is great. 
Uh, best mobile game goes to Florence by Mountain slash Annapurna Interactive. Um, I have heard nothing but great things about this and that it's also 45 minutes. Wow. Like it's just in and out. And apparently it is one of the most impactful experiences this year, according to the people that have actually gotten their hands on it. I'll have to check it out. I'll have to check it out too. I don't know nothing about it. Now, best VR slash AR game goes to Astrobot Rescue Mission by SIE Japan Studio. I've it's a platformer in VR, but you're kind of like controlling the robot that isn't you doing it. So it's not like first person in that way. It's it's a really interesting way to handle kind of like a classic platformer as a VR game. So I I I've huh. heard nothing but good things about that one too. So hey, good on you. Although I heard that Beat Saber was robbed in this category. <laughs> Uh, best action game goes to Dead Cells by Motion Twin. Yep, Dead Cells is very fucking fantastic. It takes kind of the learnings from Dark Souls and Metroidvania games and just combines them into one. It's interesting how they went with that, whereas I got my hands on Hollow Knight this year, uh, which went in a very different direction with that that idea of like, hey, we're Dark Souls inspired and also a Metroidvania game. Mm. They were more about the exploration, whereas Dead Cells is more about that kind of recurring gameplay loop of like, you got to do better the next time. So right. very cool game. Great music, by the way. Best action slash adventure game went to God of War. Sure. <laughs> I mean, just take Never it all. <laughs> Fuck you, God of War. <laughs> uh, bet, best role play game goes to ooh, Monster Hunter World. Now, I... I is it a role-playing game? Are we calling it an RPG? I mean, uh, how would you classify it? I, I would say, yeah, it's an action RPG, but I for me, that maybe it's just a kudos to the way that the game feels and handles that I think of it more as an action-adventure game with RPG elements than I do as like a straight-up RPG. Fair enough. Uh, but because like the the narrative is so dialed back in that it really is just about like hey go out there and go hunt for fucking an hour and have fun then it is like <laughs> an rpg in my mind is like octopath Tra- traveler and other games right. that came out this year like but hey i'm glad recognition went to monster hunter world it was a uh, it came out like in february and it's so easy for it to have been forgotten by the fall season but it left a lasting impression being uh actually one of capcom's most successful game <laughs> out of this world so Best fighting game went to Dragon Ball Fighter Z by Arc System Works and uh, Nando Bamco. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I agree, actually. It was a better Marvel versus Capcom than the latest Marvel versus Capcom was. Wow. That's the best way to put it. Best family game went to Overcooked 2. I didn't feel the hype for Overcooked 2. I don't know if it, it was when it released or anything, but it actually is. A, it's still a very good game. Uh, did yeah. you get your hands on this one? We played this together like three weeks ago. I totally forgot. (laughs) (laughs) We were drinking a lot, Jess. Come on. There were things that were distracting us from the game. But yeah, we we put a ton of hours into that when I was there. Remembering the nori is the hardest part for the sushi. (laughs) I really liked the way they did the level design in that game. So I I think it definitely deserved that win. There you go. Best strategy game goes to Into the Breach. uh, Subset Games. I, I... don't know anything about it. So best nope. sports game, <laughs> best sports slash racing game goes to Forza Horizon 4 by Turn 10 Studios. Uh, sure. I believe you. Okay. <laughs> best multiplayer game goes to Fortnite. Man, how'd you get in there? Oh, you son God of a bitch. damn it. You wily son of a bitch winning up all those <laughs> awards. Uh, best student game goes to Combat 2018 by Inland Norway University of Applied Sciences. And if you didn't know the country, it's Norway. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> cool. I, I'm glad that that's category. And yeah, I love that. Inspired to, you know, they show up again at the Game Awards with another category or something. You I know? think like, that's, yeah, I think that's a nice boon for young developers to aspire to. A nice Ed boon, if you will. Um, nope. D- d- just please. Uh, best debut indie game goes to The Messenger, Sabotage Studio. I've heard nothing but good things about this fucking game. Really? Yeah, it is a callback to the original Ninja Gaiden games, but it has a kind of subversive twist in that here's a spoiler. Apparently they consider it a spoiler because it's tethered to the story. So mm. you've been warned, motherfuckers. Uh, <laughs> it goes from 8-bit to 16-bit because it has a time travel component to it. Oh, fuck. Really cool. The music changes. The, the graphics get upscaled at a certain point. It's such a cool thing that they did. Ooh, I, I'm into yeah, that. It's for the Switch, but it is brutally hard from what I understand. Well, never the fucking mind. There you go. Best esports game, Overwatch. Sure. Okay. <laughs> I agree. I love Overwatch. Fair Thank enough. You. Best esports player goes to Dominic Sonic Fox McLean from Team Echo Fox. Let us take a moment to talk about this fine young gentleman. We have talked about Sonic Fox previously on the show when we did a segment about where he won an Injustice 2 tournament and actually gave a portion of his proceeds to his opponent because his opponent's uh, father was diagnosed with a terminal illness. So... This cat is great. He is a shining light. He is a pillar. He's a in good the gaming boy. community. He's, He's a, a good, good boy. boy. Yeah. And he got up on stage in his furry costume, his furry outfit, his fox persona, uh, fursona, forgive me. Took off his his uh his his mask and was just like, I I'm black, I'm gay, I'm pretty much everything that Republicans hate, and I happen to be the best esports player in the world. And like it was such a big <laughs> Like triumphant moment. It was just like, this is my favorite moment of this fucking show. It was worth the entire show to see that happen. Yeah, for sure. And of course he got blowback after the fact. Of course. Of course. Uh, a lot of people have gotten on his case for making it political. Uh, but I think that the state of the world right now and the state of gaming in general being the community that it is, I, I don't think he was in the wrong at all to say what he did. Um, and I think it's true. I mean, he does represent a lot of the minority in the gaming community. And the fact that he won such like a huge award is a really big deal. I, I love this kid. I do. I, <laughs> he's fucking I hate that <laughs> yeah. he's dealing with trolls online right now, but he's dealing with it with such a plum. He's just snapping right back at him. He's, he's giving yeah. him those hot takes. He's just like, shut your ugly ass mouth. <laughs> I mean, I mean, trolls are, uh, trolls are part and parcel of being in the gaming community and just being yeah. online in general. But I think he's he's handling it. He's handling it well. And and honestly, it's really cool to see. I think he he definitely talked about, you know, the the queer community and how amazing it is to have him be in the in the spotlight at the forefront of that. And I think that's extremely important. I think it's really necessary right now. Keep on doing it, Sonic Fox, because you, you're fucking great. Keep you doing it, man. Great. Keep doing it, man. I, I <laughs> love it. So best esports team goes to Cloud9. Best esports coach goes to Bach Reaper Hanju. Uh, best esports event goes to League of Legends World Championship. It's a lot of esports stuff. It's esports all the way down. <laughs> best esports host is Anders Bloom Fiji Sojax Deputor. I'm not even going to try. That's, oh that's, my that's God, a, a mouthful. Uh, best esports moment goes to C9 comeback win in triple OT versus Fit. Never mind about this one. And then <laughs> content creator of the year goes to Ninja. <laughs> Congratulations, Ninja. 
good job, Ninja. You're a millionaire and you're also content creator of the year. Go, go celebrate by dyeing your hair another color, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> the shade of it all. My goodness. Yeah, I, I love I love the tea that was being spilled online because like he he showed up to present an award with a fucking Muppet on stage and they're like, oh, so he'll 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 present with a Muppet, but he won't stream with a woman. Gotcha. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. That's so good. Oh, I know. It's well, so <laughs> Jesus, I have so much to say on that, but we don't have enough time. Let's just put it that way. I love <laughs> exactly. It. So overall, like it, it is a well-produced show. And despite the glitz and glam that they have to coat on that to get viewership, despite all that, Jeff Keighley does a re- like kind of arrange something that is, it makes it feel special. It makes it feel recognized. And it's cool to see people that we wouldn't have known otherwise get up on stage. And maybe my greatest hope for these kinds of shows is that it has this kind of ripple effect. When you see somebody like uh, Corey Balrog, for instance, get up on stage and he's just a normal dude, passionate, thankful, and was just like, we didn't know that this was going to work. Yeah. <laughs> I want that to inspire, you know, other creators out there. They're just like, I don't know that I could do this. And it's like, oh, look, they're just people. Yeah, they're just, they're <laughs> I, just humans. <laughs> Yeah, so that that's why like I understand the criticism when you do have like celebrity presenters and stuff, and I, I get it, I get it. It it brings a, a certain level of um fluff to your show that you need to have there, but otherwise I think I think it's well meaning. You know, I never I never feel like that show is just done to you know make sure jeff keely's eaten in a tesla by next year <laughs> yeah. I, I don't th- I, I don't feel that way <laughs> you know no i mean i completely agree and i think the more heart they put into it the better and i think this 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 uh bodes well for next year's awards yeah i think so too i i, I think it just keeps on growing and it gets you know it gets better like this was a good show like there's like the musical performances were fucking great and we had han zimmer uh coming out there even though he only played in 30 second stints for some reason i I think it's a cool celebration i think we finally got to this level where it's like hey man we have something that competes with like an emmy level show (laughs) you know it's exactly exactly it's not just happening like in a warehouse somewhere like back in 2013 with fucking fucking uh jeff McHale making fun of is his name jeff McHale? no it's uh, john (laughs) joe McHale, fucking making fun of gamers because it's low-hanging fruit like no we finally evolved past that which is great but it was a cool show, and there's cool games, and I'm excited about the shit again. Good job, Jeff. Lots, lots to look forward to. Get some sleep, my dude. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I, I think that there will be once, once these things that you know, you know, we've got a really nice lineup for the next year. I mean, there's a lot of really interesting games that are not your typical genre games, and I'm, I'm really excited for it. Yeah, exactly. Like that, that I think that was the most exciting thing. See games that weren't your norm, that weren't just like, oh, here's a gigantic military shooter dancing across the screen. Like some of it was exactly. just like, no, that looked kind of artful. It looked kind of cool. <laughs> I'm into that. Yeah, but hey, good job, Jeff. Get some sleep. <laughs> good job, Jeff. All right. Well, I think it's time to to shut this bad boy down. I don't even know how long we were going. Fucking eight hours. Hours easily. Hours easily. Okay, that's gonna be a lot to edit. Cool. <laughs> Have fun with that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Anyway, but Jess, thank you for joining me on the save room, uh, filling in for Daniel. I know those are awkward shoes <laughs> to fill. <laughs> Uh, actually, luckily, uh, I learned many, many, many years ago that Daniel and I have the same size feet. So it's all good. Thank you. I, oh. I'm... 
<laughs> I'm honored to be here. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you for coming on board. Thank you for hashing it out. Uh, and safe roommates, thanks for listening. As always, I, I know some of these episodes get out of hand, <laughs> but we always <laughs> appreciate your ears. And again, if you actually want to engage with us, hit us up on Twitter. We're at Safe Room Show. Maybe you have some suggestions for us to suck less, or maybe you just want to talk about games that you want to point out. Awesome. Do it. We appreciate it. But again, you can find us on soundcloud.com slash safe from show or Spotify or iTunes, Google play, wherever your ears may float. Do yours. Ooh. Float. No, I like that. <laughs> you like that? Wherever your ears yeah, float. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> I don't know. It sounds ominous. It sounds like something Pennywise would say. <laughs> I don't understand the reference and I won't respond to it. Uh, it's a reference to a Dean Koontz novel. God fucking damn it. <laughs> but thank you for joining me. Is there any, any uh, sound off that you want to give to the kids at home? Just go buy Katamari. <laughs> and if anybody wants to donate a switch to me, I will give you a PO box. to <laughs> <send it> <laughs> well, I will forward that on the Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. All right, guys, have a great, uh, well, whatever time of day it is for you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, y'all. Bye. Thanks. Bye.